Welcome to New Mercies, a podcast by Mercy Ships, where we'll take you behind the scenes and onboard our incredible hospital ships that are transforming lives all over the world. We invite you to join us each week as we sit down with our crew, patients, volunteers, and partners to hear their stories of life-changing hope and healing. One of our goals at Mercy Ships is to work ourselves out of a job. Yep, that's right. We desire to do all that we can to strengthen healthcare systems in developing nations so that they'll be able to care for their own people. And we do this by offering courses, internships, and mentors to local medical professionals where we serve. On the front lines of this medical capacity building venture is Erin Myers, who's joining us to share about her important role with Mercy Ships. Here is my interview with Erin Myers. Erin, welcome to New Mercies and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. Thanks. Erin, do you have any goals for the new year or any dreams or hopes? Lately, I've been mostly thinking one day at a time. So I'm excited (laughs) to bring the new ship, the Global Mercy, back to Senegal and continue working in our MCB projects for next year. Um, So I think that's probably the biggest goal. Get the GLM back to to Senegal. Oh, that'll be exciting for the very first field service. Yeah, the first full field service with MCB and the hospital running because we did a wee bit in Senegal last year. That's right. Oh, this will be exciting. Mm. Oh, good, good. Well, I know that at the end of last year, you all had a big transition. You were on the Africa Mercy and y'all sailed up into Tenerife and kind of had a little mass move, if you will. Everyone Mm -hmm. from the Africa Mercy went over to the Global Mercy and that is currently where you are. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Before we get into your current role, on board. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you heard about Mercy Ships and why did you decide to go volunteer? I heard about Mercy Ships when I was still in nursing school. Um, I think I was in my third year and nursing school can be kind of tough. And I didn't at the time, I was kind of questioning like if nursing was for me because I wasn't seeing how I had hoped it would be and what my life would be like as a nurse. And so one really late night in the library at my university, I was just Googling ways that I could use nursing once I graduated. And I don't even remember what I searched, but Mercy Ships came up. And so I just started devouring all of the videos (laughs) and sitting in the library, like crying, going, this is what I'm going to do. So from pretty much that moment on, my goal was to come and serve with Mercy Ships. I now bought the t-shirt. I (laughs) signed up for the mailing list. And every time they'd say urgent need for ward nurses, I'd be like, I can come. They'd be like, no, you need two years of work experience. I'm like, yeah, but you said it was urgent. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) I kept on working, finished school, kept on working, got my two years. And pretty shortly after two years, I applied and then came six months later. Wow. That's so exciting. Yeah. I love that deep desire and drive that you had that kept saying, I might not have the experience yet, but come on, take me, take me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're from Canada. And is that where you also did your nursing program? Yeah. In Edmonton, Alberta. So your first yeah. field service with Mercy Ships then was in Madagascar. Yeah. Madagascar so, too. What were your first impressions? Um, it was amazing. I often joke that like my time with Mercy Ships, every time I come, I'm I'm always waiting. And because I showed up in Mata 
And it was when uh, we had a, a delay in the field service starting because of the propeller. And then I went to Mata and had been waiting for a couple of weeks and then there was another delay. So I ended up just waiting in the capital for almost three weeks before I even saw the ship. And we have to take a bus from the capital to the coast where the ship is in Tamatav. And I just remember because we, there were so many of us waiting, we had probably three, but three or four buses that all rolled up at the same time with like dozens of us. <laughs> and just seeing the ship for the first time after all that waiting from before, like from nursing school on. So like at least a few, four years and wow. then the waiting in Tana to see, get there and, it was just, yeah, it's hard to describe what it feels like when a dream comes true, but that's what that moment was. What was your first field service like then? What were you doing on board? I was a ward nurse. I was E-ward, which was general surgery. Um, we were a smaller ward than the rest. We only had 10 beds compared to like the 15 or 20 on the other wards. Initially, I'm a pediatric nurse and an obstetric nurse. And in general, we have a lot of adult males, which was a population I had never really worked with. So I was a bit disappointed that I was assigned to the general surgery ward. But that time on that ward was so, so special. Um, I had a great team leader, Jane White, who's still working on the, in the hospital in the global now and a great team. And I just really learned so much from them and from our patients. And because our unit, like our ward was smaller, you really got to build really close relationships with the patients. And I, in the end, was so, so grateful to have been assigned to E-Ward and the general patients because even hernias, like we did so many hernia surgeries and you think, oh, it's just a hernia, but it actually makes such a difference in the lives of these men. And so Mm -hmm. that was, yeah. And it's one day they're there just a couple of nights. So but it still has such a huge impact. That's so great. I was thankful. Now you must have enjoyed it a lot because you returned again for the following field service. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't, I think being a ward nurse on the ship is probably one of the best jobs. Even now in my job now, I, I still like those days were amazing because you're right in it with the patients. You uh, get to see the impact every day of the work that we do. Um, so yeah, I signed up the, classic mercy ship story. You come for a certain amount of time and you stay way longer than you expected. So I signed up to come back for three months to help get the Benin field service started. Um, and then ended up extending and staying through May. So that's pretty much the whole Benin field service. Wow. So then you returned home to Canada, I assume for actually a couple years and you have mm-hmm. just recently returned back to Mercy Ships to volunteer. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what was going on back home in Canada that caused you to say, I think I need to go back and do this again. Well, when I left the ship in 2017, I didn't really want to leave. I tried everything to stay, but it didn't work out. Um, so while I was on the ship then, um, because I'm an OB nurse and I teach neonatal resuscitation at home in Canada... While I was on the ship in Mata and Benin, I had the opportunity to help teach a couple of courses in neonatal resuscitation. Hmm. And then this was kind of when MCB medical capacity building was still a bit of a new department, uh, was still figuring out how that was going to grow. So I got to spend some of my time off helping on a course and that experience really um, changed me and my dream and my vision for my life. The thing that really got me was when we followed up with some of the nurses and midwives that we taught 
a few months later, we went to visit them at their hospital and they were just so happy that we remembered them and that we Mm -hmm. took time to go and see them and to follow up. And that it was more about the, the relationship and the encouragement that that gave that we're checking up, seeing how it was going, how, if they needed anything and that we remembered them and the impact that that had on their confidence and ability to implement what they learned. But then they also went on and told us all a bunch of stories about how they use what they learned to save babies and how babies lived, who would usually die and how they taught all their colleagues and so proud to show us the equipment that we gave them and nice clean bucket. So that experience really got me thinking and obviously God used that to um, plant a seed in my heart to see um, and see where that would go. So at the time in Benin, I tried to join the MCB team. I had a meeting with the director and there wasn't a place in the team for me at the time. Hmm. I applied for a couple of other roles and they just didn't work out. So it just really felt like it was time to go home and I had no idea what I would do. It just, the season was done for now, which was really hard to accept because I felt like the most myself I'd ever felt the most living in my calling I'd ever felt Hmm. while I was on the ship. Um, But to just trust that God has a plan and that he, he's faithful through the last few years on the ship. So he'd be faithful when I go home. So yeah, just took the leap to go home, which also is a bit different than most of us take the leap to join mercy ships, but leaving was also a leap for me. So yeah, I went home with no plans. I went back to nursing, back to pediatric nursing. And that also was a bit of a challenge because um, a transition is hard anyway, but I was working on a pediatric cardiology unit that had, you know, heart transplants, children mm-hmm. with congenital heart defects, wow. really complicated, complex surgeries. And I struggled because all of those children are alive because of where they live mm. and have that opportunity because of where they live. Right. And in the countries I had just been serving, those children wouldn't have that opportunity and wouldn't survive. Wow. So I struggled to be there in that job, mm. but also is more fueled to the fire of what I felt I was being called to. So I ended up going back to school and did a master's of public health, trying to learn more and get more skills and experience to be able to move into this part of the work that we do in health system strengthening and increasing access to surgical care in low resource countries. Yeah. That is so exciting because as you mentioned, you tried to stay, you tried to apply in different areas, but God was saying, this isn't what I have for you. He knew all along that he was actually going to start instilling in you new skills and new knowledge and new ability so that you mm-hmm. could do what you're doing now. Yeah. What are you doing now? You've, you've returned back to Mercy <laughs> yeah. Ships last year with all of this mm-hmm. new education under your belt and experience. What are you doing currently on board? Uh, Currently, I'm the Medical Capacity Building Projects Director. I did that last year on the Africa Mercy and just moved over to the Global Mercy for the next however long. (laughs) So I'm responsible for leading the team that implements all of our medical capacity building projects in the country where the ship is. Tell us, for those who are listening and maybe don't know much about Mm -hmm. medical capacity building, tell us specifically what that department is within Mercy Ships. 
So we are part of the team that helps strengthen the healthcare system from the national side. So we need the hospital to meet the direct need of the patients who are in front of us who have a surgical need because their system can't give them what they need, can't provide the surgery, don't have the specialists, et cetera. So that's why we have the hospital on the ship. Our side of things is to support that system to be able to help it grow and improve so that it can meet that need themselves because eventually like the ship won't be here forever. Hmm. And so eventually we're, we're trying to do is work ourselves out of a job to increase the capacity of the national healthcare system to meet the surgical needs of their population. I love that Mercy Ships does not simply come in and give free surgery to people that need it. But we also make a huge investment in the country by training up local doctors and nurses and medical professionals, which is what you get to head up. And that is so, that is so, so exciting. I love that Mercy Ships has a much bigger vision than just the here and now, but they're looking beyond, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, to strengthen the national healthcare system of the country that we're serving in. So Mm -hmm. with that, my goodness, you're leaving such a huge lasting impact that will really influence so many people in the country. What has been a highlight for you over this last year doing that? With our work too, you don't always see the impact right away because it takes time. Learning a new skill takes time to implement it in a challenging setting when you maybe don't have everything that you need when you go back after your course or your mentoring And then often we don't even hear the stories. Once people go back to their job, we Mm. don't necessarily always hear how they were able to use it. Um, So our team all year, we've been talking about planting seeds and really trusting that God will make them grow. And, Mm. you know, just like God plants seeds in our lives, you know, in my heart, like this is maybe something that I could do in the future. And it took five years for me to get here, but that seed was planted and God was faithful too help it grow. So we've talked about that a lot because we don't always see it right in front of us or in this field service, but we also talked about, we talk about the miracles and looking for miracles every day Mm -hmm. um, because God also gives us that to show us that he is present in the work that we are doing. And uh, we're, we've been very thankful, even if it's just, you know, we got a meeting with someone from the ministry we've been trying to get for ages, or we got the participants we needed for the course God makes all that stuff happen for us. One story coming to mind, I guess we had the Global Mercy was in Dakar in June and we had all of the Africa celebration events and the inauguration of the Global Mercy and we had an MCB field service on board. So we had four weeks of courses that we ran for 300 participants, 25 courses in in four weeks. Um, It was a mad dash and blitz of MCB activity, (laughs) but also the first time that Global Mercy was used for programmatic work. So it was a really exciting time and exciting. um, And we were all really thankful that we got to be a part of it. But one of the courses we ran was neonatal resuscitation, which of course I'm partial to as a neonatal instructor. And like, that's my course that called me into MCB. So I was helping with the course and we do train the trainer. So we have participants who participated in a course that showed, picked up the skills quickly. They were passionate about helping others or teaching. Then we run a train the trainer or a TOT. 
-hmm. and teach them how to teach the course. And then they usually come and help us run the courses the rest of the time we are doing it. And so I was leading a scenario breakout session with some of these TOTs and we were practicing scenarios where like I was a participant and they were trying to coach me and mentor me through a scenario. After that, we were, sometimes we like to make it a little bit challenging for them, you know, throw some curveballs at them, see how they deal with their, their participants. But we were chatting and debriefing it after. And the one doctor just said super, very casually, oh yeah, well, you know, well, it works. And I'm like, oh, it works. Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, well, I used what you taught me. I'm like, oh, you did. And how did that go? And he's like, oh yeah, well, it works. Uh, a baby, I saved a baby. And I'm like, Amazing. When was that? Oh, that was yesterday. <laughs> they took what they learned and put it into practice and saved a baby's life. Wow. Um, it's just very cool to know that even if we don't always hear the stories, that that is the potential impact of what um, a course and some time and encouragement can do for a healthcare professional to take Absolutely. back to their setting and impact their, the quality of care they give their patients and ultimately also that patients are living and surviving and will have for that child a full life ahead of them. Wow. It's so amazing to know that sometimes the difference between life and death is education. And it's just a shame that there are so many places that don't have the resources to even educate their people on how to do sometimes simple things to mm -hmm. preserve life but I love that you guys are doing that. You mentioned there were several different courses that you guys teach, neonatal resuscitation. What are some other courses that MCB teaches? Uh, yeah, so we focus on the courses and things that help strengthen the surgical healthcare system. So we have essential surgical skills, which is kind of a basic training for um, surgeons, usually residents or later year residents that they practice basic surgical skills on pork meat, usually, because it closely resembles human skin and intestines and things. Hmm. And then we have some anesthesia courses that support anesthesia providers. So some safe obstetric and pediatric courses. We have a new partnership, VAST, which is another anesthesia course. We have essential pain management because most surgical patients have pain. We have a safe surgery team that goes around and travels in the country and visits hospital and operate operating room teams to teach the WHO safe surgery checklist and communication, teamwork, uh, surgical counting, that kind of thing, which is a, the WHO checklist is a proven tool to improve patient outcomes in surgery. So it's multifaceted. Yeah. There's all sorts of yeah. different courses that y'all are teaching. Now, the people that come to these courses, what is their background? Are they already medical professionals? This isn't the type of courses that anybody takes and then can walk away and say, oh, now I can work in a hospital because I took this course, right? No, that's right. The idea is that they're kind of continuing professional development okay. because that is a system that is in place, you know, in Canada, that's mandatory for me to keep my license as a nurse. Um, but in lots of the countries where we serve, it's not easily accessible or available. Hmm. So these are courses for the existing healthcare workforce. Uh, so they have to be qualified as a surgeon, anesthesia provider, nurse, midwife to be a part of the courses. 
Now, mm-hmm. having served in a couple of different countries in Africa thus far, have you noticed a difference in the initial training of medical professionals? Like, for example, some of the nurses maybe that are coming into your MCB courses, would you say that they are trained nurses in the same way that you were trained in Canada? Um, there are some differences. I think also in nursing specifically, I mean, as a nurse, I have a lot more autonomy and responsibility at home. We are active participants in patient care where the, we are closest to the patient and that's extremely valuable. And I've found that nurses don't necessarily always have that same value uh, in the healthcare systems here. They're more told what they should do. They don't have the autonomy or their voice Mm. isn't respected as much. Um, which for me, I think that the nurses are amazing and a very underutilized resource in these healthcare systems. So encouraging and supporting nurses is something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Through your time volunteering thus far, how have you seen lives changed? One of the other things that we do in MCV is we have healthcare professionals come join us on board and they work in our hospital alongside of our international crew. And so they'll be in the operating room or in the ward or in the start processing area and they spend time caring for patients. And so some of that is learning new skills, new ways of doing dressings, um, possibly a surgical procedure. Um, But one of the big things that they always say they take away is the way we care for our patients, the compassion and love that we show them, Um, especially to our patients are often marginalized, there's stigma, they are neglected from society. And that's deeply rooted in some cultural beliefs and norms. And, but on the ship, that doesn't exist. Like we love them fully as children of God. And that really comes across in the way that our teams care for people, our patients. Mm-hmm. And that's something that often our mentoring participants will say that they see a different way of caring for their patients, wow. which is an amazing outcome yeah. and very cool mindset change for people to take back into their settings. Well, Erin, how are you different? How has your life been transformed after volunteering with Mercy Ships? I think one thing is I was just talking with someone who is leaving and doesn't really know what's next and how that kind of is a very uncommon thing at home. You know, you people are very, have their year planned out, they're in advance, they know when their next vacation is, when their next birthday, whatever is, everything is really planned. And to not know what's next is very unsettling and not very usual, but that essentially has been my life since I joined Mercy Ships. I just never really know what's next, but God has been faithful every step of the way. And so now it just seems like that's normal and I can just not know what my next step is, what the next year will look like, what ship will be on next, which country, all of that. But I just know that God has been faithful through it all. So he will continue to be faithful. And I can trust that whatever is next will be good. This last year or two, I guess, um, 2021 and 2022, I've just had to really depend on God in a different way than I think I ever have before. I served in Liberia in 2021 with Mercy Ships Without a Ship in a local hospital doing mentoring there. Hmm. Uh, We had a a small team and that was super challenging. And then this last year, bringing Africa Mercy back into service post-COVID also had a lot of challenges for us. And 
God always gave me what I needed, but I have never had to depend on him for what I needed as much as I have in the last two years. And that has been really hard, but also really amazing to know that like each moment I can know that he'll give me the energy, the strength, the patience, the grace, the endurance, the understanding, the wisdom, whatever I need in a moment to make what I need to happen or make uh, a decision or whatever. And that it just shows me that none of it is me, that I'm really just a a tool God's using me. I'm thankful and honored that I get to be a part of it, but that he, he's the one who makes it all happen because he gives me what I need to be able to do it. Wow. Such great life lessons to learn, you know, did really trust God in his extravagant provision. And if he mm-hmm. did it for you once, he'll do it again because he doesn't change. So it just builds our faith stronger and stronger that when the hard times come again, you can look back and remember, you know what? I remember how he provided when I was in Liberia. I remember how he provided in Senegal and he's going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Well, Erin, we are so excited for the work that you're doing. It is so valuable and it really is transforming not just one life, but many, many lives as there is this beautiful ripple effect. As people are educated, they in turn go and educate others. So Aaron, in this new year, many blessings to you and your medical capacity building team. And thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your Mercy Ships journey with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. God is faithful. He's been faithful in the past and he will continue to be. Next week, Eric Balliance will be here sharing his adventurous stories about volunteering in the deck department with Mercy Ships over the past seven years. 